Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Too High Podcast. It is I, Seth Galina, alongside Deontay Lee. Deontay, what's going on? Not a whole lot, man. Not a whole lot. We are inching towards the finish line of this season. Um, honestly, you know, it's funny. I was talking to some people yesterday, and maybe this is just because this season has gone so long that I might be just getting a little loopy. But like last night before I went to bed, I was like, you know what? I might actually be happy if the Bengals win the Super Bowl. Like, I think I'm at the point now where I'm like, the nice narrative thing is okay, too. Like, I, I just want something. I just want a good game, honestly. And I actually think that sneakily we might get a pretty good game out of this one. All right. So on today's podcast, we are going to talk to you guys a little bit about um, some NFL draft prospects and a piece that Deontay um, has been putting together the last couple of weeks about, um, you know, filling out a defense with these prospects. And then we are going to talk about the Super Bowl. We are going to talk about um, we are going to talk about the Bengals when they have the football versus the Rams defense and then the Rams offense when they have the football against the Bengals defense and how that and how that um, how those things will play out. And we'll give you predictions at the end. Um, as you guys know, the Two High Podcast is presented by PFF, Pro Football Focus. From now until February 14th, that's coming up. That's my mom's birthday, actually. Um, you can get 25% off any PFF subscription if you use the promo code SUPER25, S-U-P-E-R 25. And what you can get with the PFF subscription, as you know, PFF's locked article content, so a lot of me and Deontay stuff. Um, NFL Green Line, which is up 27 units this season. The Player Prop Tool, which shows a positive and negative value for every NFL prop. The NFL Draft Guide and more. Uh, support the pod. Use promo code SUPER25 for 25% off any PFF subscription. All right. Let's talk NFL draft um, very quickly before we get into the Super Bowl. Um, let's lose all our listeners right now before we actually talk <laughs> about what, what they came here to listen to. So right. you put a piece together. Um, it's something that I like to do, and I, I did this a couple times last year. I think it's really fascinating to do it this way, is looking at these draft prospects on the defensive side of the ball. But like specifically, like let's build a defense out of these players. Like right. let's build, let's put a nose, let's put a, a, a you know a five tech, an inside linebacker, a, you know a down safety, blah blah blah, all those different positions. So you know as you're going through it, like let, let's talk about the defensive line. Um, when you look at these players that you've put in there, anyone that sticks out on the defensive line is like a a, a Deontay favorite. Um, Devontae Wyatt was like. One of the first ones I watched, I was like, oh, this is an animal. <laughs> like, yeah. this dude is an animal. Like, and obviously, I mean, a lot of this is evident. We spent a lot of time talking about Georgia um, defensively this past year. But I think one of the first things I saw when I was watching him fit the run was like, oh, if he was like the full-time nose tackle, he would also be the best nose tackle in college football, right? Like, that was a, like one of my first initial takeaways. Um, and I think that there's still some... There's still some things that he can gain in terms of pass rush, and he's actually not bad. He's a pretty good mover for being a 300-plus-pound guy. So that was, like, the first thing I looked at was, like, okay, this is somebody who can play on third down and add value um, in case you needed him to as, like, a nose in terms of pass rush. Um, he and Logan Hall were, like, the two that really kind of stuck out to me. Logan Hall is, go is going to be an animal, and he still probably plays a little bit too high. So when he fixes his pad level or hopefully yeah. um you know if he works on his pad level a little bit there's even more that he can gain in terms of like maximizing his explosiveness but you can see a lot of that like his length 
his ability to kind of lock guys out, make plays in the backfield. He's got pretty good movement skills for a guy that I think is like 6'6 six, six and 280. 6'6, six, six, um, yeah. So, yeah, he's he's pretty impressive um, as far but, as the you interior know, with, guys. With Logan Hall, not to cut you off, but with Logan no, Hall, and we talked about Logan with Derek Klassen like, what, three weeks ago or something? And we asked him, like, who's your, like, kind of personal favorite guy? You know, maybe not the top guy, but uh, on the entire defensive line. And he said Logan Hall. And then I think right. both of us watched him after that. And – yeah, he stands it, out. You get it immediately. You like, get it. Um, he, he is flying off the ball. Like you said, he plays high, and he's almost like jumping into his moves. Yeah, right. Like he's. Yeah. It's it's a lot, and like it's a little like, extreme. Yes, yeah, yeah. extreme. But like you just you you just love watching him. Like you just want a guy who's like, give me the next game, give me the next game, give me the exactly. next game, because it's so fun to watch. And yeah, I'm a big fan of him. And 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 I'll talk. You know, with Wyatt, I thought you know. What he did at the Senior Bowl, when you saw just one-on-ones, pass rush, and he was able to use his hands, then then I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, give me yeah, this guy, and I, and I right. put him in my D line rankings, you know, as the number one D line. So like, I'm 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 on board that that train in terms of interior defensive line talent. Let me ask you, um, where do you fall on the snap count thing for Jordan Davis? Like, I'm kind of past that conversation. Like, I think that. All of this gets well. First of all, it's the NFL draft, so naturally, a lot of this stuff gets overdone because we kind of all get overexposure with some of these players over this long of a process. But how real or how much do you care about some of the snap count stuff that goes on with Jordan Davis? Look, we don't disagree a lot of, on a lot of things on the Two High podcast. It concerns me a little bit. Like I do think of a guy. No, okay. The NFL is changing. I do think mm-hmm. that the role of the nose the role of the interior triangle, let's say, whether it's offense or defense, whether it's guard center guard on offense or whether it's, you know, um, tackle nose Mike on defense, it's changing. And the, the value is is slowly creeping back up to kind of, I think, where it was, you know, in, in like the, the 90s or whatever, the 2000s. Mm-hmm. With that said, I do think you still need a pass rush. Um, and you see with Jordan Davis like a lot, like he and, and he has a very nice first step. Like he can mm-hmm. get quick into moves. You saw him do some stunts, you know, move around, loop around, do all that stuff. Like he is very quick. Like for his giant body, he is very quick. Right. Um, but I do think I, it does concern me a bit that like you pretty much at this point would have to take him off the field on early downs. Um, but he is like, you know, I'm talking about like strength wise, uh, he'll hold people up. He'll ma- let his backers uh, make plays for him behind him, which won't show up on the scoreboard or on the stat sheet. But he'll he's making plays like you put him in the middle. He'll make plays against the run. But I do think like we're not there yet where we just we can go and take like, t- you know, like where's he going to get taken? You know, the Chargers are at 17. That no, to me is like 17. borderline for me. I think that, well, that's one thing that we do agree on in this. I do think that, like, the conversation of being, like, a top half first round guy is probably, it's out of the, con- the snap count thing, I think, is real enough to where you probably don't take them in the first round and definitely not, like, in the first half of the first yeah. round or near the top half of the first round. Um, I think but then once all, you get him in the second round, you're getting. Oh, I mean, like, it, it's super surplus value yeah. based on, like, just what he provides when he's on the field. If you're telling me, like, in the second round, you can get a guy who can be, basically a run defense unto himself on first and second down, then yeah, absolutely. Especially like on his rookie deal. Um, I think the thing that I'm probably most interested to see is whether or not, you know, a team is going to be committed to maybe changing him physically a little bit. I do think that he will have to trim a bit. 
as a 6'6 guy in the NFL, even if you are just a first and second down player, I just think that he'll be even more explosive and more useful. Um, and to your point, he does have a really good first step. So if he goes from being listed at 340, God knows what he probably played at, but listed at 340, if you get him down to maybe a listed 315-ish, then you might be talking about something, right? If he's at the same same kind of weight as Devontae Wyatt. So that's interesting to me. Um, like you said, I, I, I probably... On my end, I probably just don't think as much about it, maybe because I'm making assumptions that there will be changes made when he gets to the pros. But yeah, I mean, like you said, once you get out of like that top half of the first round for teams that are already good, right? Now we're talking about teams that are already good prior to turning over to the second round. You get a player like that, you're you're cooking if you have a, if you have a nose that's as good as he is. Uh, one of the things that that you know kind of stands out when I watch the two Georgia interior tackles Mm -hmm. is just like, I wonder, and the NFL is changing, like I said, but I do wonder, we know what Georgia wants their defensive tackles to do. And that is control, control. You wonder what both of them would look like, especially Wyatt, you know, Davis is a little different story, but especially Wyatt, if they, if they were uh, quote unquote allowed to be more penetrators and get that first step in the gap and go. Because I think Wyatt then looks looks like I, I don't I still don't think Hall. he's a top half of the first round type of guy, but I think you're cementing him for sure in that in that second half of the top of the first round. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Um, were there any other defensive tackles that maybe I missed out on that you really liked? You know, I like the 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 UConn kid, um, Travis yes, Jones. He's interesting. Uh, he's, he's very interesting. interesting. Again, like he fits more. And and so this is what I was thinking as I was watching Davis and and and, and Travis Jones the, uh, from from Connecticut was. I kept thinking about Sebastian Joseph Day with mm-hmm. the Rams because mm-hmm. it's like yes, like you know this like kind of like stereotypical prototypical nose guard, you know. That's my old my old old lingo there. Nose guard. Nose guard. <laughs> uh, wait till we talk about safety men a little later. Right. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, I think like he's he's a such a big player. He just like controls alignment, right? With his with right. his because he does have long reach and he just controls line. He's huge. Yeah, and he's he huge. But I think about like what Sebastian Joseph Day was doing in Brandon Staley's system last year, and how a lot of three four teams. Are playing their nose in uh, the modern in modern football. Like you, don't, you can be a quicker type of smaller type of player. Um, in that, like, yes, we play gap and a half, but we're gonna like you know backdoor stuff. We're gonna try and right. quickly front door stuff. Like I think, and that's what Sebastian Joseph Davis was one of my favorite players to watch last year. He's been injured for most of this year. I'm not even sure if he's gonna play in the Super Bowl. Um, but like that type of player is probably closer to Travis Jones from Connecticut, even though he's, I, I would, I haven't, don't have the numbers in front of me. I would imagine he's a little bit, bit, bit bigger than Joseph Day. Right. But the difference between Joseph Day and Jordan Davis is pretty big. Right. Right. Yeah. Sizable. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very sizable. Like, I think it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty significant. <laughs> but yeah, Travis uh, okay. Jones is definitely somebody who's interesting to me. Uh, Travis Jones actually in three games against Power Five teams. I wrote this in my article this week. Three games against Power Five teams. So very small sample size, mm-hmm. but the highest graded interior defensive lineman against Power Five teams this season at like eighty nine point five. 
just above Devontae Wyatt, I believe. Uh, so, like, in the big games, you know, they play Clemson, Vanderbilt, right. and Purdue. Uh, right. He showed out. Uh, he's a really good player. So, I like him somewhere in the second round, something like that. All right, quickly. Defensive ends, anyone stand out? Defensive ends for me, um, you know, I mean, a lot of the names at the top are obvious. So, I won't, like, belabor that too much. Obviously, Kayvon Thibodeau is really interesting to me. Um, you know, he's kind of a raw skill set guy for as athletic as he is. And that does not mean that he's not still, like, a top five talent. I do believe that it's just you can't there's no way that you can watch him and not recognize the fact that there is still a level of rawness in his game, um, which makes it kind of interesting to me in terms of like year one fits. Right. Like, I don't know if you can just drop him in to some four down system and say, hey, now you're just like full time bendy shoot up the field pass rush type and think that you're going to get like an eight to ten sack season out of him as a rookie. I think that's a little ambitious. Um, I think that it actually might be in his best interest if he ended up in a 3-4 style of system where he can do something similar to what he was doing at Oregon and you kind of got to build on all of his skills because he is athletic enough to drop into like the flats and coverage outside of tight ends and things like that like he's actually pretty good ranging to the ball out in space I like that in his film but in terms of like pure pass rush ability he still has some work to do no real go-to move yet He's decent as a power rusher. He's decent with like his arm over his chops and rips and things like that. Obviously, because he's explosive and he's got long ass arms. Um, so he's able to use some of these things to his strength. It's just like not refined. Um, and that's kind of been the book on him basically his entire career at Oregon. So, you know, I, I think that a lot of development is still there, but there's no way that you can pass on those traits. So like he's an obvious one. Sleeper for me is Drake Jackson. Um, you know, he's on the taller right. end right. of the pass rusher. Enough. No more enough USC talk. It's over. <laughs> I just think he. I think he's a better bender as a pass rusher than he gets credit for because they use him more like a true outside backer than as a pass rusher. So there's still some things to learn there. And then outside of that, like the other guy that I really liked was Arnold Ebiketti. Oh my uh, god, freak man, like complete freak. freak. No, he's a freak. Yeah, complete athletic freak. Really strong as well for being a guy that's as explosive as he is. So I think that he's one of those guys that can step in. Like when I think about these teams that have built their fronts out of like all the freak, like height, weight, speed guys, like the Ravens, like if they need it, they, they happen to not really need. Yeah. Like if this was guy. last year, he was coming out right. last year. Like and he's then 100% take, at the them, top yeah. of his, yeah, he would 100% be at the top of their board in terms of edge rushers that'd be available to him. So like for those types of teams that we think about, like I would not be surprised if a team like the Giants say with the McMartindale, look at Abiketti and say like, we want to get that guy as soon as we can. Yeah. So yeah, he, he's a really interesting guy for me. Uh, okay, we're just going to stick on defensive lines because we don't have time to do, go through all the defense positions. We'll, we'll split it up. But I just wanted to finish with um, something that I, you know, I find is kind of, kind of funny is you look at the difference between Aiden Hutchison and, uh, and Kayvon Thibodeau. And it's funny to me because they're both like going to play defensive end at the, you know, age rusher, mm-hmm. quote unquote, at the, at the NFL level. But it's, it's, it's something you said about him, like, oh, let's put it this guy. Where do they play in three, four defenses? That's the funny thing to me as the big difference. You just mm-hmm. said it. Where does Kayvon Thibodeau play? He's still an edge, yeah. and you can drop him into coverage. Mm-hmm. When Michigan goes to a three, four, which they did on occasion, like everyone, like everyone does now, honestly. Right. Where does Hutchinson go? He kicks inside, inside. to the four And that yes. is like so it, it's funny to to think about the differences. Where it's like, if you would have saw like a little more from Thibodeau in terms of mm-hmm. refinement, like you said, he's the first overall pick. 
Yeah, like no question. We're not even having a conversation. We're not having this conversation. But who has all the refinement and can play along the defensive line? It's It's Hutchinson. But the trade-off with him, right, is like, what is the actual ceiling? Because I don't think it's a Bosa-esque ceiling. I don't see the kind of – he has decent hands, but it's not like the level of hands that you see from Bosa's and certainly not the the bend that you get from those guys. To me, it's can he get to the corner against NFL tackles consistently? Because he does play a little high. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not Logan Hall, but he does play high, and he doesn't have that bend that you're looking bend, for right. just to like get around. I mean, not I don't want to compare him to Von Miller, but we have Von Miller on the brain because of the Rams. But like you know, Von Miller's got that ghost technique, like right. he like that he's getting low. He's like almost parallel to to the line of, <laughs> yeah. to the to the ground. Right. Like right. that's a first overall pick, mm-hmm. right? Right. No, 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 no great against the run. Super strong. He's he's actually explosive. He's a freak yeah. athlete. He just doesn't have that bend that you're looking for, that ankle flexion that you're looking for, that center of gravity thing. So mm-hmm. I'm super interested in that. But um, that's enough draft talk for to last us quite a while, to tell you the truth. Uh, all right. Oh, buddy, we got uh, a whole in- off season ahead of us. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's let's get into um, the Super Bowl. Before we do, just want to remind you guys, Two Highest Podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow, Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for toi. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. Okay, so we'll start off here. When the Rams offense has the ball versus the Bengals defense, I'll, I'll start only because I had this all this fucking information in my brain that I need to like vomit out. Right now. <laughs> so some of the stuff I was looking up was like Rams this season have upped their use of what we'd call trips open formations. So right. three by one formations where there's no tight end attached. That will, you know, two by two or three by one or even empty, those are the formations we would call open formations. They have upped that. And what they've also done is up those formations without their receivers being bunched or stacked. So it's really a spread three by one, spread trips open formation. And it's like, and they did it from, from the start of the season. Uh, I, I have it at like something like over six um, passes per. Just passes and not even just runs. Um, just passes per game, uh, about double or like four four more per game than really 2019, 2018, 2020. And one of the reasons they've done this is because they don't need to do the bells and whistles anymore, right? right. They, their, their, their jet motion rate is down. Obviously, losing Robert Woods um, in the second half of the season has been part of that but their jet motion is down they just want to be a spread team and let mm-hmm. matt stafford and we talked about this the whole season they want to be a spread team and let matt stafford just work it just work it and so the first half of the season what they're doing is they're lining up as the isolated receiver they will use the tight end higby often um but mostly it's van jefferson as that x receiver isolated you have you know, Cooper Cup as the slot, as the F, whatever you want to call it. And then obviously the, the Y is, is Higby, you know, to this to the chip side. And then you have uh, Robert Woods as the their their version of the Z receiver. Right. 
And so you you create combinations between Cup and Robert Woods, right? So you have mm-hmm. just quick high lows, like you know, Cup runs a stick route, and here's Woods behind him on well, like a clear out or whatever, route, right? Like it's not like easy peasy um, reads for Stafford, but you put you put a defender in conflict, um, and you surround him with your two best players. So then that's their offense. When Woods goes down and you sign Odell Beckham, what happens is. Odell Beckham is not a Robert Woods replacement. I mean, we understand that he's not a slot receiver. He's, had right. some he's not a slot move guy. No. You're not moving him. He is your classic X receiver. And so instead of just saying, okay, well, we're just going to put him in Robert Woods' role to, to, to just you know, copy-paste him in that, in that way, obviously, you know, the smart people down there in Los Angeles, they said, okay, well, what we're going to do is Odell Beckham is going to play X. He's going to be isolated. Van Jefferson's going to move. And I actually think he's he, his his role, sorry, not his role, but his play style, I think suits a Z receiver. A tr- a tr- not not a Ram Z receiver. Right, I was going to say, not a, maybe not a McVay yes. in the way that we think about it prior to 2021 Z receiver, but he is a Z receiver. He's generally a Z receiver. He's take the top off. I, I, yeah, I think of him like, I don't know, going back in time a bit, like a Robert Meacham type of play. Take the yeah, top. Like he's probably 100%. a little more. Yes. Take the top off the defense, run a post route, whatever, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So now you're you're in this situation where, okay, well, what we can't do anymore is run these combinations between Woods and Cup to the three receiver side. Um, but what we can do is clear two out. Sorry, yes, I, that, that's a harsh one. That's a big one. I'm going to get that muted. Uh, <laughs> but what we can do is clear two people out and let – Cooper Cup to the trip side, run a breaking route, an out route, an in route, whatever it might be, whatever it may be, to get him isolated somewhere by having a go route and a flat route next to him that isolates him. And now instead of on the backside with Rand Jefferson running a lot of deeper routes, we have Mr. Odell Beckham winning one arm lines, mm-hmm. and specifically talked about it for 100 years on this podcast the backside dig now stafford can go okay my front side concept isn't there because a lot of times it is meant really just for cooper cup i can move my eyes back to odell beckham who is still really really good yeah he wins one-on-ones and i don't i don't even want to talk about why it didn't work in in cleveland but he is a one-on-one player, and he's winning them again. And the play, he's been awesome in the playoffs. So that, to me, has been you know starting from getting Stafford, putting more trips. They've actually been in more trips, open formations since they've got um, since um, Odell has signed with them. So yeah, it's to me, it's been this really, really fascinating transition, like getting Stafford, and then having to make that in-season change uh, for um, for Odell Beckham. Yeah, I mean, and the fact that obviously that it coincides that that move coincides with Woods's injury, right? So like, you make a full on identity swap, like at once. It's not just how do we integrate this guy into the offense. It's also having to bring in a whole new flavor or losing a whole flavor of your offense, basically, without Woods. Um, one of the things that they've done that you were describing, right? Or I'm looking at this from the defensive perspective for Cincinnati is by putting Cup in the slot to the trip side. 
and Odell to the X. And it's just weird talking about this. It's not the exact same, but it's so funny having this conversation this February versus last because we spent all of last year talking about Travis Kelsey at X and Tyreek Hill in the slot, right? And the kind of matchup problems that that causes. And here we are looking at another offense basically doing a different version of the same thing. But what that does for a team like Cincinnati, right? Like they play, they want to play a decent amount of too high. And this is something I'm working on for a preview that'll go up on Friday. Um, when you look at them and how they play split safeties, like one of the things that I expect them to do is to try to get a cloud on Beckham, meaning there's going to be a corner playing in the flats like cover two and a safety rolling over the top. Now you can do different things within that cloud. It, it doesn't have to be some soft cover two zone. The corner can run kind of like bump and run with the guy knowing he's got help over the top. We've talked about different brackets, et cetera, et cetera. But the general idea is if you're using the weak side safety to play over the top of the X receiver, you're basically guaranteeing one-on-ones on the outside to the trip side, right? So for a guy like Cooper Cup, what that means is now the slot defender, so Mike Hilton, right, more times than not for Cincinnati, is probably going to have to play like outside leverage or you're going to be playing straight cover two across the board. Well, now you're telling Cup in this offense where they love to use him on option routes that he's going to get a lot of space to work off of, right? There's not as much traffic for him on some of these inbreakers, especially if you're able to eat up the safety or cause some kind of high-low stress between that safety and inside backer, which we know Sean McVay to be pretty good at, even when golf was there, and certainly now with Stafford in, in this iteration of the offense. So I'm really interested to see if they are so committed to taking away Beckham or if Beckham just demands so much attention within the flow of the game that you're left with that as an answer because that's how you can end up in situations where Cooper Cup gets that 12-13 catch type of game or 12-13 targets. It doesn't even have to be receptions, but... He's getting a large share of the looks because he's just working these slant out options off of one defender, basically. So now what does that open you up to defensively? Now the next thing is like, all right, we got to play tight coverage everywhere, but I want to get some kind of body presence on um, over Cooper Cup. So now you're spinning down to like cover one robber, right, where you're dropping a safety to try to rob that intermediate hole. Well, now you're guaranteeing one-on-ones on the outside, and that puts a lot of strain on an Eli Apple right that that's where you can draw up some of those designer plays where you get van jefferson on those double moves where he's chopping and going up the sideline right or you can work on the backside with those glance routes to odell instead of digs right where you can really push it down the yeah. field so come back routes. like exactly like that's just kind of the interplay to me from a coverage perspective um for cincy one of the things that they like to do if they're really feeling strained on both ends is just to plague tampa too right and that's another viable way to play defense it's not the worst idea in the world it just again you're creating now vertical stress trying to take away all those short end breakers that you might get inner outbreakers that you get from cooper cup and tyler higby so again to the point of creating those designer opportunities for downfield shots it's something that we've been talking about all year long basically and i think that we're going to get a pretty good look from a great play caller in sean McVay in terms of hey if they're going to show me x I'm going to respond to this with why. And then if their adjustment is this, what we're building off of what I'm showing them with why is going to turn into adjustment Z over the top or with screens or working a particular mismatch. So that to me is like one of the things I'm really, really interested in. Um, and then obviously like one of the things that the Bengals have really struggled with is play action. So I think it's going to be a high priority for them to make sure that on early downs, 
the Rams, if they're not in the gun, or well, I guess they do run the ball out of the gun too, so you still have to be on alert for it. But you got to stop the run on first down, or you can't give away layups on first down. Because even when they're in quarters, one thing that they struggle with is fitting the run and then dealing with play action because they ask so much of their linebackers to get to the first level to help them out. So all that intermediate stuff, like there's just a lot of danger for me dealing with this Rams offense. It's not particular to the Bengals, but because they can do so much out of the gun in terms of running the ball and then creating these matchup problems like we were talking about with the Chiefs last year, like it just it puts you in a bind defensively. Last year, what we saw from Tampa Bay was them basically saying, we're never going to play single high ever again against the Chiefs, right? Like they basically only played cover three out of that three high safety look um, and rolled down late. And it was like no cover one at all. I'm interested to see if the Bengals try to do something similar. It was like, hey, it's all quarters. And then if it's trips, we're going from quarters to quarter, quarter, half, right? And then trying to live in a world where you can deal with one-on-ones on the inside with Cup or one-on-ones on the outside with um, Odell. So that that's what I'm looking at in terms of a matchup. You know, and one of the issues and the thing that Tampa Bay got, like, the time of a game plan, like, we, you know, we put it in the Hall of Fame. Like, wow, they played all this quarter, quarter, half, and they played all this too high stuff. And it's like, great. I think that they had to do that. I'm not saying they didn't have to do that. But it it was multiplied yes. by the D-line versus offensive line. By the line pass rush. rush. Yes. You know, this Rams offensive line has played really great the whole season. I, you know what I mean? There's been some dips in, in, in form there, but, like, over the course of the season, they played And really particularly good. in the postseason. They've played really, really well. I, I don't think Whitworth had his best game against Nick Bosa two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I don't think Trey Henderson is Nick Bosa. I right. think Trey Henderson is very good. I'm not saying he's not. He's not Nick Bosa. So if you can, if you can mitigate that situation, in it, then then that that becomes tough. That then then Stafford's got time to make all these plays, and he's got time to work these underneath one on ones. Which, mm-hmm. you know, and, and again going back to this, the Super Bowl last year, like. This Rams team, um, the, the last year's Chiefs team was great at so many things. But as we saw this season, one of the things they weren't great at is, is quick precision passing. They're not a weak side option team. They're not a, a Cooper Cup option team, right? Right. They, oh, the Rams are. Right. So that's, you know, and again, it, 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 it's hard to find these scenarios. The, the Rams offense has been so freaking good the past three weeks. And it might not have seen that on the scoreboard because – um, you know, they've had these really bad fumbles and they've had these really bad interceptions or tip ball interception. Mm-hmm. But like they've been so good and everything is coming together um, at the right time for them. You know, integrating, finally kind of integrating, integrating Odell Beckham and figuring out what he's good at and him him becoming a real player again. Like that, that's so, yeah, that that to me is a scary thing. You want to start playing all these too high structures. The Rams can kill you speci- like the way they play can kill a team specifically um, when you when you allow them to isolate your Mike linebacker who's right. not who's not Fred Warner right. and they you know what I mean like it's very and again it's no disrespect to say that but you have to identify the fact that they don't have a dude like that and when you don't have a dude like that it does open up a lot of areas of stress in coverage for you. Yeah, 100%. Like, I don't even – like, you know, then you're in a situation where you're trying to play a little bit more dime, I don't know, than nickel. Maybe. Um, I don't even – that's tough for them too because what did you just – what did you say? They will run the ball from gun. Right. They will just run and the – And if they get – and any success for them in the run game 
particularly because they have two running backs that are basically still nursing like these lower leg injuries, basically trying, right, just not 100%. But if they can manufacture any level of run game, that's really trouble. And then the other thing for me, and this is something that we've seen McVay do this postseason and obviously over the stretch of his tenure as a head coach with the Rams is like the little things to steal yards, right? Like tempo changes. That's a really good, that's something that they use to try to neutralize pass rush is tempo changes. You use screen game to steal yards and um, a neutralized pass rush as well. So I'm interested to see, you know, how they kind of mix in, you know, do they want to go to more like the Cooper Cup tunnel screens that we've seen work really well, you know, if they don't have the run game working or if they just want to get the ball out on the perimeter. Like there are a lot of options for them based on what the Bengals do defensively. And this does not mean that the Bengals have zero answers, right? It's just a matter of you got to win the one-on-ones. There's only so much you can do to try to escape these one-on-one scenarios that the Rams can create with their two best receivers. And really the only way that you can do that out of a too high structure, in my opinion, with the way that they play defense is to ask your Mike backer to basically handle anything vertically from number three or up the middle of the field. And that's a tough ask. It's just a tough ask, especially because of the amount of speed and space that they can play with uh, when they're all spread out. So if their Mike backer plays out of their mind, Hey, you know, anything can happen. And I'm, I'm kind of past the point now of acting like these things can't happen because I 100% watched it last year when I thought that the, the Bucks were dead in the water walking into the stadium. So, you know, out of respect to them, I'm not going to say it's an impossibility, but if I'm, if you're asking me genuinely how I feel about it, no, I don't think that, <laughs> I don't think that this is the greatest matchup on the interior between Hilton and, you know, what they have, you know, with their safeties room. I think that Bates is fine, but he's not going to be able to cover the well, amount of ground that he did, even against Kansas City, um, as they kind of made their adjustments in the second half. I, I wanted to bring up the two safeties, Von Bell and um, and Jesse Bates, who are two really good players. Yes. However, they don't need to work. Like, so what they were doing a lot in that in that um, Kansas City game was was stay, looking like they're going to play too high, post-snap rotating down rotating one of the guys down. into a robber right. situation. You, the, the Rams, while they do, will run like a, a crossing rod here and there, um, you know, certainly not play action. Um, and then part of their four verts con- package from from trips. But for the most part, they can they don't need those routes like the Chiefs need those routes. Mm-hmm. They can bypass you and play to the outside if they need to. Um so like now you're rotating and this guy's being 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 kind of wasted. Let's say it's Von Bell coming down, like Von Bell's being wasted in the middle of the field, trying to be this robber for all these routes that are breaking out. Right. You come back from Beckham and your sail route from Cup. Right? Like that that they can they can do that whenever they need it. Mm-hmm. So I think like who's what's the best position group for the for the for the Bengals? It's either safeties or edge rushers, right? Um they can just bypass it. Yeah. You know, um, so that again, it just scares me. It's hard. Like, look, I, I want to see Joe Burrow win a, win a Super Bowl. Obviously, you guys know I'm biased about that stuff. Jamar Chase as well. <laughs> it's it's tough. It's tough to find a lot of paths. And we haven't even talked about when the Bengals have the football. I'll say like, we it, haven't even gotten to the other end yet. Like, it is tough to find um, a, a path forward that they have that they that. That really looks like them stopping the Rams' offense. Um, that doesn't include tips and interceptions and forced fumbles, which they've which they've been doing. 
you know, right. kudos to them. But I think on like a play-by-play basis, uh, it, it's tough. It's tough. That's all I'm going to say. It's tough. Yeah, I mean, it is. And like, and again, none of this is to say that it can't happen. But when you start talking about pathways, the way that we're, at least I can assume for you that you're looking at it similarly to me. When we talk about pathways, it's not like, is it, do they have enough to win? We're talking about the Super Bowl, man. These are the two teams that are left. Of course, there's an opportunity to win. I just don't think that it would be as comfortable for Cincinnati. All the way that I think about where they can win, it's all like, oh, well, you do this, and then, you know, you're holding on by three points at the end of the game. You're holding on by five or six points at the end of the game, right? Like, whereas for the Rams, especially when we get to the other side of the ball, I think that there's an opportunity for them to play a little bit more comfortably. And this is one of the few times, one of the few opportunities that they have to see a team that plays a style of football that kind of lends itself to the way that I think the Rams kind of want to play on both sides of the ball anyways. And that's where I get really uncomfortable on Cincinnati's behalf. Um, for you, like, if we're going to play out the thought experiment of how do how would um, Anarumo, Lou Anarumo, and um, this defense pull off with Todd, something similar to what Todd Bowles did last year what does that look like? Like, I'm obviously kind of writing this stuff out, so I'm already in brainstorm mode with this. But on your on your end, what would that look like for you? It, it probably would it be Hendrickson is, that was like having. OK, yeah. Days? First thing, Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard um, making plays. Right. That, DJ that is and BJ. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. It might mean them like. Like Odell Beckham not have like being a Cleveland Brown again, yeah, you know, and just like either Stafford not seeing it or not trusting it or which he has, so like um, it's, you know, in the, especially the past in the playoffs, or, or him just like not getting open on one on one scenarios, right? Um, because like you said, once they play too high, Cup is the guy, man, and he's already the guy. Yeah, but once you play too high, you give him the option route. You know, not even talking about chips. We're two by two, and you give them the option, right? Because what they'll do is they'll they'll stack uh, OBJ and and Cup. OBJ runs the corner, and here's a little option route, and right, it's crazy. They can't. No one can stop this. Yeah, thing. you're cooked, man. Like it's been, and it's so, not just they've done it to everybody all year long, particularly so, in the postseason. Yeah. So like you know, once they get into those into those situations. Um, being able to um, to hold up on the outside one on one, even on the other side, you know, with Van Jefferson, you know, whoever I don't know who's going to play against who Eli Apple and uh, uh, Shadobi Awuzie, but like just get winning those, and then that allows at least allows you the opportunity to to double, you know, quote unquote double um, Cooper Cup on the intermediate levels of the field from the slot, like when you, once you, once you spin down there. So I think that you know is obviously a way to do it. Um, I mean, there's a cop out. There's a cop out. If you're out, I mean, if you're out of answers, I mean, if you're out of answers, no. But oh, well, the, the the one thing is Stafford just do, having a right. having one of those one of Stafford those days. Yeah, you know what I mean. Jakarski, Jakuski, Tart, like not um, <laughs> dropping the ball type of thing, right. like that type of thing. You know them. You know the Rams maybe getting. You know it's it's so funny we don't even talk about the Rams play action game anymore because it's like not it's not it's not interesting anymore. Like we've seen it for three years <laughs> and seen, they've yeah. gone a, yeah. Like, you know, they're not, like, you know, not being able to hit those double moves to Van Jefferson who runs the corner post um, because they stayed in too high and, they and you know, Bates and Von Bell distributed those over routes really nicely off play action. 
that would be another thing that would that would I think uh, help them. Like it's like one of those things. Are obviously you're gonna play too high. You gotta stop the run. Right. If you can do that, then you can then you can start playing around and and nailing down on certain routes with good leverage um, when you're playing too high with the safety. So that those are my those are my things. I do think it probably starts with Stafford just throwing a boneheaded couple picks. I mean that's where I'm at with it. Like and it's it's tied to Odell as well. Like. Whatever, whether it's Hendrickson in the pass rush or their ability to win the one-on-ones on the backside, they've got to do something to take Odell as an option away to where you know as a defense our main priority from this point on is just flooding Cooper Cup side of the field with coverage bodies, right? Or bracketing Cup if it comes down to that, and that's what you have to do. That to me is like the number one priority for this defense is you got to find a way to win with Beckham because if you're going to get it, if you're going to get a team that plays a lot of three by one with the real dude as an X and you find a way to handle that, it does so much for your defense. And that to me, I mean, that's the game and it's not just them. This is actually, we're going to have the exact same conversation on the other end of the ball with Jamar Chase and Jalen Ramsey. Um, so it's not just them, but that's really it. Whether it's by pass rush and forcing Matthew Stafford's eyes down or to one side of the field, um, you know, or they just win those coverage matchups, whether it's with a double team or a safety rolled over the top, or Eli Apple is able to kind of stand tall on the outside against Odell, you know, or a Chidobia Wuzier is able to stand tall on the outside against Odell, then hey, now we're now we're talking about a different football game. I've just seen so much tape now of LA continually getting themselves into situations where they know they're getting the one-on-one on the backside and they have the route to beat it. And if it's not there, then you know that they're working the option route to cup and that's probably open. So like I, I would have to see it. That's something that I'm not willing to go out and predict what happened right out the gate in this game. All right, before we uh, head over to the other side of the ball, just a reminder that roses are red, violets are blue, and you shouldn't let a wild pube wreck you. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and our sponsors at Manscaped are here for you with the best tools to get your skin ready for the special occasion. This V-Day, it's time to join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use promo code PFF for 20% off and free shipping the holidays went by so quickly did you remember to take care of your package with the best tools for the job the performance package 4.0 from manscaped is just the thing everybody needs in their life to make each and every day a little more special uh, manscaped created the products for a night just like valentine's day and will make your v-day date say wow great skin you have there get 20 percent off and free shipping with promo code PFF at manscaped.com That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use promo code PFF. Join Cupid and shoot your arrow with Manscaped this Valentine's Day season. All right. That shoot your arrow pun might be their worst in terms of the ad read puns. That was uncomfortable. Everything everything about me reading is uncomfortable. I think. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's you. Maybe it's not me. <laughs> Let me not put it on our ad partners. I'm, I'm gonna, I'll blame Seth for that. <laughs> okay, let's switch over to the when the Bengals have the ball. And oh, okay, I'll start like I did with the uh, the other side of the ball. Uh, I'll take you through my thought process. A little, mm-hmm. little word vomit right now. So the Rams hire Brandon Staley in 2020 to run their defense. Got to go back all the way there. Yeah. He puts in this kind of 
for the NFL, for the NFL, a kind of new style three four defense um, that a lot of college teams are running that I think he did in college before he became an NFL um, assistant coach. Mm-hmm. You know, he has a certain way of doing it. He gets the head coaching job for the Chargers in the offseason. They bring in Raheem Morris, who's been around the league a long time yeah. uh, as, as a you know, an interim head coach, as a DC, as a position coach on offense and defense, like the yeah. whole thing, right? Yeah. So what it seems like when I watch them is you have a lot of the Brandon Staley-isms, but maybe on a surface level basis. Mm-hmm. And it feels like Sean McVay said, I would love to get to the bottom of this, but it does feel like Sean McVay said, hey, like what we did last year was really, really good. It is the future of defense. Um, so here's the first 15 pages of Brandon Staley's playbook. And you got you to gotta run it. Like this is what, yeah. what I need you to run. And so what they've ended up doing, which is very different, relatively different than Brandon Staley's, they will play with five defensive linemen on the field on early downs, like on pretty much all the time, right? Like it's a very high, very high rate of that. Mm-hmm. And Brandon Staley was kind of okay living in a quote unquote five, one box because they want to play with two high safeties. Now the Bucks, on the other hand are a good example of a team that says we want to play with five defensive linemen on the field, but we want to also play with two linebackers on the field because obviously they have two really good linebackers. Well, they have right. one and a half really good linebackers. So, <laughs> Fuck. So, um, five one box, right? Right. And then, you know, Staley, what I thought was really good at was, okay, I have this structure. It is a 3-4. Um, you know, we can play with um, five defensive linemen, but we can mm-hmm. also, like, mix it up and say, hey, we're playing a team that throws a football a lot. Here's a regular 4-2 defense. And, hey, um, you know, we're playing against an RPO team. Here's tight front with no edge right. defenders, or at least on one side, no no C gap defender. So you can play around with it. What Staley's done, what, what what Morris has done this year is really be kind of rigid in like we are playing with five down defensive linemen, one linebacker, and if we need another player at the secondary level, it is a safety that is going to spin down late. Okay. Yes, sir. It, it's been okay for them. It's been a lot better when they said hey, we're going to trade for Von Miller, and all we're going to do is say, hey, Terrell Lewis, you used to play edge linebacker for us, or you know, outside linebacker, edge rusher for us. Instead of that, we're going to do the same exact thing, but we're going to play a future Hall of Famer there. That, right. That's been pretty good for them, I'd say. Yeah. So that is where, that, that to me has been, you know, where the difference is between 2020 Rams defense, which was one of the top defenses in the league, and they did lose some players in the offseason, and some other players have regressed, but um, to Rams 2021, they're in the Super Bowl, by the way. Um, that's been the big difference. And one of the things you really see, I think, is like Morris saying, you know, I'm not comfortable with this very much. And on early downs, he doesn't love having a 5-1 box and playing quarters behind it or quarter, quarter, half behind it. He's saying, uh, this 5-1 box freaks me out a little bit. And I, and I get that. So I'm going to spin down to cover three a lot. Mm-hmm. And their cover three rate on early downs has gone up like 20, 25%. Like it's crazy the difference. So that is the global aspect of the Rams defense. Have I missed anything before we get into the matchup? 
No, I mean, if you're laying out the structure, I mean, that's exactly it. And we kind of, I think that that was exactly what we joked about before the season, right? It was that Sean McVay was going to walk right up to Raheem Morris and say, congratulations on being hired. Here are the plays that I'm telling you that you're running defensively. We're going to do the things that worked now between last year and this year. And one of the things that has been really interesting to me is like almost the, the point you were making about what Staley was willing to do in terms of, hey, this offense does X. So all we're going to do in response within our structure is why, right? We're only going to play like, and we saw this with the Chargers this year, right? The first, the first time they played the Chiefs and beat them, we came in here and we're like, oh, they, dude, they just played one cross all game. They played one robber all game long. And that happened to handle what it was that Kansas City was doing. Not to add, we don't need to add to this, but I remember also us talking about the first time they played the Raiders. Yes. And they said, hey, we're going to play cover three because we, we know what level of defense you want to attack. Exactly. And we're not leaving it, right? We're not going to leave this. So uh, Cover three from a four down from a four down front. Right, from yeah. a four down front. And yes. we talked about the tight front. I've written about this with Staley before, like on a week-by-week -week basis, man, you can see any one of these things. With Raheem Morris, I think that because and I do think that there is there is an argument to be made that the loss of like John Johnson and Will Hill and like Troy Hill and all the guys that they had um, in the defensive backfield does take away from what this defense was because there is a certain amount of value in a guy like John Johnson being able to play in between safety and backer on a given snap that does a lot for a team that wants to play with five guys at the line of scrimmage um, you have to make up that loss of an intermediate level player uh, so for me like. I think the only other thing that I would add is that what do you do when you're missing players like that? You end up doing what Raheem Morris is doing, which is like, man, I'm just not really comfortable playing too high, like traditional too high with five down, you know, in, in the spacing in nickel personnel. So now what are you doing? You're rolling a safety down to play like a buzz position and turn it back into like a 5-2 box or close to it, right? Or a 4-2 box, I guess, if you're dropping one of the edge rushers, which would usually be Leonard Floyd, out into the flat. Well, so you're so getting I, back into a balanced defense, basically. Yeah. I, I looked this up recently, so I'll give you the stats now. Um, well, now, of course, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I'll, I'll give you the gist, right? So in two and a half seasons leading up to Von Miller's trade, so 1920 and then half of 21, Von Miller dropped in coverage 61 times. You know how many times he's done that since he's became a, become a Ram? 50 I'm times. Gonna, I would say I was going to guess that he probably equaled the number. So, and, and, then, and then, yeah, to your point, like that's what they were going to do. They're like saying, okay, we're going to drop either Leonard Floyd or Von Miller off um, because like I, I need bodies. Yeah, got to have them, got to have bodies. So that has been, I mean, that's just been an interesting thing throughout the year. Um, you know, structurally outside of that in this season, that kind of stu that stuck out to me is to the point about being a collection of calls. There's really not a clear rhyme or reason for what pops up for them defensively and when it does, to me at least, because they're missing, I think, some of the elements in terms of adjustments within this defense. Um, so like we were taught, we've talked, you know, off air about the times that they play bracket or just play quarters with an outside leverage nickel instead of like your typical quarters. And then obviously, you know, we'll talk about uh, Jalen Ramsey and the fact that he's basically the only DB that they have that is like a plus run fitter for a team that wants to live in nickel. And some of the decisions that you kind of have to make when your best corner is also like your best defensive back in terms of run support. So that, I think that that also takes away from some of the versatility that I think that you would like to have for the bodies that they have available to them defensively. But yeah, I mean, you basically touched on all of it. 
in terms of what to expect from like a pre-snap picture perspective. Um, for you and watching the Bengals on offense, how do you think that they're going to respond to that before I kind of say how I was feeling about this matchup? Well, you know, I hope they don't. So it's funny you talk about like they're, you know, when you play in too high, all of a sudden your nickels got to be run fitters and stuff like that because, or, or you, or like you said, John Johnson's got to be a hybrid type of player. He's got to be in the run fit. Like we saw against the Packers in the playoff game last year or throughout the whole season, mm-hmm. they get away with it. And do you, do you know why they get away with it? Aaron Donald, Greg Gaines, Deshaun Robinson, <laughs> yeah. Vaughn Miller, and Leonard Floyd, Floyd right? Yeah. You, you, when you got those bodies, you can get away with a lot of it's stuff. It's a ridiculous combination of five guys to have I at can't the line believe of this, man. It's ridiculous. It makes no sense. Um, so my, my thing, and you know, I wrote about it on PFF.com. We probably talked about it already, but... You have to find so yes, that is an insane collection of talent, and it is better than the Bengals' offensive line individually a hundred times a day, right? Like mm-hmm. Hakeem Adeniji versus Aaron Donald is no good. It's it's no just good. not. It's not. It's there's not no there's no out. way to work around that. There is no cute no. way to try to explain it. It's a horrid matchup. Yes, for and, like you, and and so when you play with five down defensive linemen, hard to double anybody, right? Mm-hmm. But. I'm like, wait a minute. Once, because of the way Morris wants to play it, when they, when they put those five down on the field, you have the opportunity now to dictate space in the second and third level of defense. So if they want yes. to play with five down and rush five with a, a five-one box, now you have the middle, kind of like we talked about with Cooper Cup um, on the other side against the Bengals linebackers. But like now you have a lot of room in the middle, buddy. A whole bunch of room in the middle for your quick games, for your mm-hmm. Tyler Boyd, in breakers, in breakers, levels, concepts, all of those types of things. Um, and I, I saw I saw Mina Kimes, former uh, guest of the Two High Podcast, Mina Kimes, talk about how. Um, they're like passer rating allowed or the EPA per play allowed um, the Rams defense on throws like between the numbers and the intermediate level is one of the worst in the league. And you know, and we know this because of what we're talking about their structure and how they're going to leave space between their, their Mike linebacker, Troy reader. So th- that's number one, like you can bypass the pass rush by getting the ball off quickly, right? That, that, that would be, you're not going to stop the pass rush. Like, sorry, it's not going to happen, but you can bypass it by, I'm getting the ball out quickly in those areas. And then because, so then there's that. The next thing is what they're going to do is stay in that 5-1 box, but they're going to drop either Von Miller or Leonard Floyd. Those are the guys you got to exploit. Because A, they're, they're dropping from the line of scrimmage. They're not dropping yes. in, in a zone from, from already at five yards. Like they're dropping from the line of scrimmage. You can attack that. Um, you know, again, just put those, put those two players in a bind because they don't want to be pass droppers, right? And the third thing is, and this is getting getting into the, the 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 receiver versus DB battle, which is to a certain degree going to make or break the game, um, because like I said, they will spin to one high to protect that middle of the field underneath. Um, that that then you got to take your shot. T Higgins versus Darius Williams. Period. That's got to happen. You has gotta, to. Has to. So yeah, that's my answer. So I mean, so you actually you kind of teed me up because now the matchup that we're talking about, like. Like you said, like the issues that they're going to have up front, they just are what they are. There's no there's no way around that. Like I don't have some pretty explanation for what you can do, especially because of CJ Uzama's um, knee. 
Like, he, they've been swearing up and down that he's not going to miss a game. He keeps saying, like, you know, I'm obviously not going to miss an opportunity to play in the Super Bowl. So it's not that I don't think that he's going to be on the active roster, but you're talking about an MCL sprain. I don't care what <laughs> freak drugs they try to pump into this man's knee. It, it, you're just not going to be as productive off of an MCL sprain from two weeks ago. So without him and knowing that Drew Sample is not as, as big of a, um, a target in the passing game, that's where it becomes really important that you stretch the, the intermediate areas of the field. You have to make them respect what's going on between the hashes uh, with the T. Higgins. So anytime that you get that matchup, to me, Joe Burrow's number one job on Sunday is going to be finding Darius Williams and making sure you're working the end of the progression where Darius Williams is. It's not to disrespect his ability as a corner. I think he's been okay. He just gets targeted more now. Um, now that they have, you know, less good coverage players, I think, to cover for some of the warts that he does have at times. So, but you got to work him, and it's just got to be away from Jalen Ramsey. So, to me, the thing that I'm looking for on a snap-by-snap basis is whether or not Ramsey is inside or out. And I'm working, I'm working on this now, and we talked about this when we did our Super Bowl prep a week ago. But a lot of this is going to be predicated on whether or not Raheem Morris is willing to just put Jalen outside. Like a lot of what they're going to get from a game plan perspective is going to be based on that because I don't think that you're going to get the same amount of single high from them, obviously, as you saw when they played the Niners. I think you're going to see a lot of split safety. And when you do that and you play Jalen outside with Chase one-on-one, now that frees you up for an Eric Weddle or whoever your weak side safety is to play over towards the strong side. Now when you talk about like mitigating those issues in that intermediate area, that makes it a lot easier on Troy Reader as far as playing with a certain amount of depth, right? Now, now he doesn't have to be so concerned with, I've got something high and something low in front of me, and T. Higgins is the high route. Now I really got to be concerned about that, right? Or there's this wide open area on this over-the-ball check-down route that I know I need to squeeze down on, but damn it, their, their second-best receiver is behind me running a dig. How am I supposed to negotiate this space? Um, if you can use that weak side safety to add into that to be a layer of coverage, now you have a high player and a low player in the intermediate area, which is kind of like best case scenario for them. Um, when Jalen is not outside with Chase, now you have to now you run into the issues of are right, we got to roll a safety over the top if that's where Darius Williams is? Like you just have to, you absolutely have to. Otherwise, Chase is going for 180 yards and two touchdowns um, because of just how efficient they've been with their downfield passing game to Chase. And if that happens, now you're talking about Ramsey in the slot, which is good for the particular matchup of him versus Higgins. I think Ramsey wins that more times than not. Um, and versus Boyd, too. Right, and versus Boyd if Boyd is in the slot as well. Like I like that matchup for them. So, that again, the interplay with what are you doing with Ramsey and how that changes your two high coverages in response. Like, for them, I'm what I think, if I'm going to guess, um, I think they start the game with Ramsey inside is what really? I think they're going to do. I think they're going to start the game with Ramsey inside and say, can we live in a world where the middle of the field is more open because we're rolling help over the top for Chase and just saying, hey, Jalen, I need you to erase this slot, and we're going to try to play as much coverage as we can to the trip side with the with these four defenders and just ask, I guess, ask Reader to try to negotiate that space. But the second that it becomes an issue, 
um, in the middle of the field, whether it's inbreakers, your dagger concepts, et cetera, et cetera, where they're just trying to waste whoever Jalen Ramsey is covering and break something inside underneath them. That's when I think you'll see Ramsey get moved out. So I, I think that that'll kind of be like a first half. Expect to see Ramsey inside a decent amount. And then by the second half, you know, if it's a tight game, especially or on third downs, any key passing situation, that's when you're going to see Ramsey kick back outside. And now you're going to see them play like cover two to the trip side, like we talked about with Staley, where that backside safety gets to drop in and take any crossers coming back um, across the field. The, the the issue for the Bengals, I think, is you're going to get this 5-1 box, too high 5-1 box. Can you run the football? No, that's the issue. Well, that's, I mean, you can yeah. run the ball. You can run the ball. It. The issue is you only run the ball out of one goddamn formation, one personnel grouping, and you're always under center for it. So if you're going to tell a good run-fitting team and a Raheem Morris that probably wants to be in single high anyways, if you're going to give him the look that he wants and allow him to spin down and load the box where now both B-gaps are closed because you're in an odd front, you got good edge presence, and you're rolling and loading the box with the safety. I don't know what the hell you're going to do in the run game against that. They need to find this balance of like keeping like because once the Rams decide you're throwing the ball too much, we're going to go. We're going to take Ashawn Robinson off the field. Off He's the a field. really good player, but we're going to yep. take him off the field, and we're just going to play with four down. And we're and even though even though like on a on a player by player basis, if they bring in Trayvon Howard as the second linebacker versus Ashawn Robinson as the as their one of their interior defensive linemen, Ashawn Robinson's a better player, right? But it's more valuable to have another intermediate, second level defender if you're going to pass all the time. If they're going to pass all the time, so like the the Bengals have to find this fucking weird balance of we need to at least make them think we're going to run the football yeah um and not do it at the rate that they've been doing it in the playoffs like they had they had changed their whole thing you know the second half of the season they're throwing the ball in early downs they're letting burrow cook and then they go back in the playoffs and it's like oh we're gonna run the football run the football run the football first and honestly, down, the yeah, offense hasn't been good it off. <laughs> the offense yeah, hasn't, no good. hasn't been very good yeah. Um, they've gotten they've you know gotten defense has played really good and the the offense has gotten some op, some big plays and big situations but like they haven't really been playing very good as a whole so like it's got to find that balance and it's not fifty percent it's less than fifty percent but it's it's wherever that is that number is where it's like they're gonna keep their five defensive linemen on the field and those are the those are, and you can just bypass them with quick game. Um, either quick game, like actual quick game, slants and sticks and in and quick ins, like right. like we saw at the end of the of the Chiefs game, or you you bypass them with, hey, they spun to one high, one two three throw the outside. Yep. Come, you know, come back, not even come back route. I mean, stop route, uh, back shoulder route, or an over the top nine, nine ball. Yeah, I mean, and while you were talking, I was going back to look, and it is funny tracking this, pulling up their first down runs, and you can see like early in the year. Kind of want to run the ball on first down. Then I think that they recognize by like the latter half, latter yeah. stretch of the year, like read my this is not feasible. You gotta, <laughs> yeah, dude, like we got to do something else. And then you get back in the playoffs, and particularly against the Chiefs, it's like we're gonna run the ball on every first down, basically. <laughs> like I, I don't get, I don't get that. I don't get that, and I think that that will be poor form for them on Sunday. The goal is if you're gonna run the ball, that you run it on second and three. Right. So you can avoid the third downs where now you have to worry about where is Ramsey? Is Ramsey going to be lined up on the side of the progression that we really wanted to work? And now we got to work away from him where we know they're going to be sending all the coverage bodies anyways. Like 
that's the issue is that you can't just walk in and hand away first down by getting into 12 personnel and under center outside zone because if the chiefs can recognize that and tee off on you you know god knows what a real actual good run defense is going to do to the same tendency um for you so again like if we're going to kind of suss out what this might look like or try to guess what this looks like if the Bengals have a great day offensively what is the key factor for you is it going to be early down passes um or is there another factor maybe that you're looking at that they can kind of break this game open or maybe keep it close again the two cop-out answers are very obvious here joe burrow mix plays outside the pocket right which you know we know he can do chase wins the one-on-one with ramsey Look, we've not, we haven't seen this. I was, let, let me let me pause here and ask you um, before we get out of here. What does the Chase Ramsey battle look like one on one? It's fun, right? That is great. I mean, yeah. it's that's like one of those like I'll be going back on YouTube to go watch it. You know, <laughs> later on in the off season if we get a bunch of it. Um, I guess it's fascinating for me, and we, we talked about this a little bit. You know, last week I want to say, but. In terms of like physical skill sets, you probably can't make a better corner in a lab for who Chase likes to be down the field in terms of physicality. But still, we're talking about we're talking about a value that Chase can add if you get a PI from Ramsey on like a 35-yard target. There's just as much value in that as just winning the jump ball itself. Obviously, especially in this game. And I think if you're Cincinnati, you're almost playing more to like we just want to win like half of those. Yes. If you win half of those, that's I can't even I can't even describe the amount of value that that gives you defensively, right? Uh, because you want to create the bind for Raheem Morris and the rest of this defense to say like, well, shit, man, if they can play us even with our best coverage defender and their best receiver, and we've got these other issues that we got to sort out because, like you said, you have to make these decisions between do we want our best eleven or our most valuable defensive structure on the field based on what we're getting now you can really put uh, you can really put this defense in as much of a bind as you can so i'm with you on that in terms of how how this thing might play out but yeah it, i think that if we're going to look at it from a snap by snap basis i mean i would just love to see it i think in terms of physicality if you're if you're cincinnati you want that down the field as much as possible it's not going to be slants and inbreakers and digs like that you want it as vertical as possible if ramsey is going to be there and, you know, to the points that I think that you were making, I think that you also have to tell Burrow if we go three by one and we know we see that weak safety rolling down like he's trying to rob. You don't have to tell Burrow that. He knows. Field, you know, take you it. know what kind of player yeah, he exactly. is. You have, you have to take it. It doesn't matter that number five is their best player. Yeah. You got to take it anytime you get it, no matter who's covering him. Again, because of the value that it adds and you have to put some kind of strain on this defense you have to make them make a decision on we just got to have a safety over the top because they're going to keep taking the throw and you know if they win two or three of those that might be enough for them to win a game and then the last thing is you know i would say well two things play action wadding it up seven man protection which they don't really do i was going to say so i'm looking now at their five-man pass pro um on ultimate and they were fifth in the amount of times that they had five-man pass pro you want to know what their pressure rate was (laughs) 28% gave a pressure like 28, 29%. And I think their pass blocking grade is like below 60. So we're not talking about, you know, the best, the best idea against this unit, especially if you get those odd front looks where they can put Miller and Donald on the same side and you know, you can't help on either. It's tough. 
And now what that really what that's doing is eliminating Joe Mixon as a pass catching threat, right? Because now mm. he's got to stay in and help. You really can't afford to release him out into the see, route. You see teams. I remember. I think the Cardinals did it in the playoffs where it's like we're not releasing our back. He's not even uh, oh check release. You know, freaking Mike to Sam. He's right. He's, edge he's check. You're helping the edge rusher, or yeah, you're and then you're on helping the guard and tackle. <laughs> yeah. Like you're just gonna stand there and like when when it's not even it's not even if it's like when Aaron Donald beats the, your guard, at least you're standing there. Yeah, but that's what that's what the car. I, I, again, I remember the Cardinals doing this in the playoffs or maybe in the regular season. I don't remember, but yeah, that's mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I think it's it's got to be a big, you know, if it's not going to be a chase winning those games, those, those matchups, T and Boyd, man, got yeah, and and maybe. You know, you know, Mixon in the run game, like we don't love the matchup O line versus D line. Mixon's a good player. He, he spins, away, game, he spins away from someone and go gets twenty five yards. Yep. You know what I mean? Like something. get him out on get him out on the perimeter. See if he can make a guy miss. Like you yeah. do have to try something in the run game. But to your point, I just don't think it needs to be on first down. And like I said, anytime you identify a one on one with with Chase, you have to take it one hundred percent of the time, no matter how it turns out. Um, for the Rams, you know, how do you, on average, how do you think this plays out for them defensively? Like, do you do you like this matchup, I think, as much as I do um, in terms of what the Rams do defensively versus what the Bengals like to do? And is it just because of what they are up front? I, I like, man, I would like structurally versus structurally, you know, if we take the Bengals, what they were doing the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. I like the Bengals. I do too. The second you talk to me about that pass rush yeah. against the off- offensive line, I don't like it. I'm anymore. out. Yeah, I'm out. Like it's really just that simple. It's just that simple. Until you, d- any conversation we have before we consider personnel, I'm 100% with you. I love this matchup for Cincinnati and what they do offensively. But as soon as you, min- I mean, just mentioning Aaron Donald alone kind of has me, has me halfway out the door. And then you throw in the fact that you have to deal with the multiples of who's coming between Floyd and um, and Miller. Now I'm really like, I, I just don't like it. I don't like the matchup. And like I said, I just don't think that there's a workaround for it um, based on pressure. And I am not making the mistake of thinking for two years in a row that the quarterback that continues to escape pressure and extend plays better than anybody is just going to beat the pass rush just because. Like I've watched this happen too many times in these games. And I, I can't I can't look away from what this pass rush might be able to do to this offensive line. Burrow is the most important player in this game by far. On both sides not of even, the ball. Yeah. Not even close. It's not even yeah. close. Like if he is that player and he's escaping pressure and he's making plays with his legs, like I would say if the offense looks like the last two drives against the Chiefs, even though they only got field goals on those drives, because they're really, really, yeah, like, I know. Uh-huh. It's, it's not like they were great on those two drives, but uh-huh. if they look like those two drives, then, then I think they can. Um, it, it could, it could be okay. All right. Uh, speaking of halfway out the door, um, we're out of here. Yeah. I don't want to ask you for your prediction. I was going to say, well, I'm not asking you a score prediction. Cause I don't want to ask you a score prediction. I don't want to do that, and I think you can listen to this podcast and understand where we well, are. Let me, um, so let's sign out on this then. Um, I actually, I had an interesting question I've been thinking about uh, asking you. So tell me, both team, either team winning, what do you think is going to be your major takeaway from the season, right? Because we all, we all retroactively apply these narratives based on the result, particularly in the Super Bowl, but – if the Bengals were to win, what's the what's the big takeaway from you based on their season? And then if the Rams were to, what's the takeaway for you in that situation? 
you know, off the top of my head, um, these are going to be like, not great answers. But, of course. Uh, Bengals winning is just all about regression. Regression to the mean. 2020, they were like the worst deep ball throwing team of all time. Yeah. And it was many factors. And I wrote about it last offseason. Many, many factors. It was just never. And you could talk about Burrow's arm strength and blah, 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 blah. It was just never going to be that bad again. And then right. you've gone in the completely Please opposite <laughs> other way because you've yeah. added Jamar Chase um, and his ability. Um, because, like, Burrow's been better with T. Higgins. Now, T. Higgins in the second year in the league getting a full offseason, blah, blah, blah. But, like, he's even been better with, with um, you know, other players throwing them, throwing them deep. So that, to me, like, the, the regression from all the way one side to the other side has been great. Because Burrow was really good under 20 yards as, as a rookie, you know, before mm-hmm. getting the injury. So we knew that. I mean, we knew what Burrow – if Burrow was going to hit in the NFL, he was going to be that good under 20 yards. And then I guess the other side – again, it's a cop-out. It's find your quarterback – to make yep. life easier for you. Yep. You know the answer. Anyways, yep. you? Uh, for me, Bengals win. I think that my main takeaway to your point is just like the same way we were talking about Josh Allen in a way, right? Regression to the mean for these spread out uh, offenses with quarterbacks that have to create a bunch for themselves. Like that's the conversation to me. Um, obviously, I mean, the, the conversation is put to bed already, but I do think that what the Bengals are doing does open the door to have conversations about like, what the value is for particular talents with skill positions versus particular talents in terms of trench in the trenches, right? With between Sewell and Chase and all of that. And that doesn't mean it's going to be a one-to-one conversation the next time there's a team that has a need at tackle and a need at, at, at receiver. Um, but I do think that this is an interesting data point to use for reference in the future. Um, for the Rams, to your point, I mean, the easiest one is just that Matt Stafford, right? Big legacy thing for him going out, shooting your shot, getting the quarterback when you know you have the opportunity to do so. And obviously, you know, having having the wide receiver talent, again, to create this certain types of pressure on defenses, especially in the era of too high, too high coverages. Like, that's kind of how I'm opening up my little preview um, is just talking about how, like, for Cincinnati, like, they played 353 snaps where they showed two high safeties and played a two high safety shell, right? Didn't rotate. This year, they ranked 22nd with those 353 snaps. If you go back the last five seasons, you want to guess where they would rank? Top 10 at four four out of the five. Four out of the five seasons prior to this, they'd be in the top 10. So 15% jump between last year and this year in terms of two high, two high shells shown and played. So again, like we're just walking into a different era, which we talked about this defensively, and we're going to continue to talk about the offensive response to it in terms of how do your priorities change when the defensive structure change? Because we have data now to suggest that it's not just, hey, we're trending and playing more split safety coverages. Like you can legitimately make the argument that NFL defense kind of changed overnight between like 2018 yeah. and 2019 to 2020 and 2021. It's craziness. Yeah, ridiculous. And, we, and I think we, we, we both saw it coming. Because it was, it, you know, there's the cyclical nature of this, and it's always going to mm-hmm. change. But like for it to happen, it was violent. Like it's kind of violent to move overnight this, this off season is yeah. crazy. Um, we don't see trends like this change at the pro level like this this quickly. Like everybody woke up and was like, "All right, all our cover three shits going into trash on third day." <laughs> well, one guy didn't. Um, right. We don't talk True. about him because we've already done it a long time. All right. <laughs> That's it. That's a too high podcast. Uh, thank you for. Oh, we're we're still here in the off season. Don't worry. But I just want to say yes. thank you for listening in um, to us talk about this. 
pretty fun um, a college and NFL season. 100%. You guys enjoy Sunday. See you guys. <laughs>